This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk,、yeah. get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath, and I am joined by my friend and co host, Judy Cho. And this week, so this week, there was a White House conference、uh, on hunger, nutrition, and health. And so there w a s like several days of boring speeches and a lot of like interest, you know, depending on who you are, interesting topics all array,、um, related to. The dietary guidelines, health in general. They gave a lot of you know, insights and talked about some studies that happened.、Um, I saw highlights of it like through scrolling through Twitter and so, stuff like that, but I had asked Judy. She did a much deeper dive. And so we want to get into it today. You may not have even known this conference was happening, or you may have tried to find out about it and not really made it through much of the info, like myself. So Judy is going to give us a lowdown today. She spent a lot of time doing research and, and just figuring out, like, what are they talking about? And I think,、um, so we're going to get into, like, what was it, why it matters, and kind of just all the good stuff about what happened. So, like, what, what even was this conference in the first place? Yeah. So, the White House Conference on Hunger, Health, and Nutrition,、um, there was one, I guess, 50 years ago that was created by Richard Nixon. And back then, with his, I guess, creation of this conference, the food stamps came out. I think WIC started back then. So the Women, Infants, and Children program. And then、uh, um, several other governmental assistance programs came through that. President Biden felt that he could revive it. And then this was they, all just like US as well. Like this wasn't like a worldwide coalition or anything, right? It was just the US. Right. It's US, but it impacts everybody else. Like, it, that's just the、yeah. way the diet. Because a lot of other countries、go. take their cues from what we're doing. Yeah. And we have it all wrong. But yes, that's very true. So, before the conference, they released the strategy plan of how they're going to support hunger issues, nutrition, and health in the US. And so, that's really where I wrote a very detailed article on my blog about the whole strategy, the plan, and What this means for us in the future.、Um, so, the overarching goal is to end hunger and increase healthy eating and physical activity by 2030. So, there's eight years,、um, I guess seven years coming up, but、uh, so that fewer Americans will experience diet related diseases like diabetes, obesity, and hypertension. Biden, Harris, their administration released a national strategy plan for the hunger, nutrition, and health. And then, with that, they released a fact sheet of the $8 billion. Commitment that's part of the strategy. The plan is to have everything, all these goals be met by 2030. And the commitment is I'm not entirely sure like how much of it is taxpayers' money. I know that at least $6 billion is just promises from private companies or corporations. And I don't know if the other $2 billion 
is from tax money, but I'm thinking it is, but I'm not entirely sure. So I'm not going to stand on that, but well, not to get spicy already, but it's probably (laughs) money from companies who will financially benefit from this initiative and this change. And like, we're going to get into like a lot of it's plant-based. So a lot of those companies, if they're willing to pay $6 billion upfront, imagine what the profit on the other side of that is going to end up being. Oh no, absolutely. So there are five pillars um, that they are going after. And then within each pillar, there are distinct goals that they want to meet. And then, so if you read that 40 page briefing that the White House, their strategy plan, it goes into a lot further detail. And I sort of tried to break down a lot of the issues that I saw. So the first one of the conference pillars is improve food access and affordability. And so it talks a lot about the SNAP plan, which is basically what they used to call the food stamps. And then I think it also goes into uh, free lunches at schools and other things of how they're going to give access to food. I think in other ways, they are going to have certain companies build out maybe closer markets and things like that so that other people have access to these closer places to shop and then eat. Yeah. And that's what's interesting about it is that, you know, we talk about hunger in America and it's not because of a lack of food, right? We have an abundance of food. And even when you're looking at low income people and you're talking about like kids who are starving, who, you know, they get backpacks of food sent home with them for the weekend because they're not going to get food provided to them at home. Like it is, there is a need for food for people for like low income, um, part of society, but it's almost like there's not a, a lack of calories or a lack of actual food. It's just a lack of nutrition where when you're, when you're providing these low income um, parts of the country and the, in the world, we're providing them with like the cheapest, highest profit ranked foods, which ends up being like a bunch of processed foods and crap and stuff that's shelf stable also. And so, you know, this, when they're talking about improving food access and affordability, like where in there are they talking about giving better nutrition. There's nothing in there that talks about like giving better nutrition. I mean, we'll get to it, but it's just interesting to me that it's, it's not a lack of food. That's the problem. It's a lack of, um, nutrients. Yeah. So what's interesting is, and this is the part that I didn't look too into, but the, the white house says that there is food insecurity. And so one in 10 families struggle with food insecurity. And what they mean by that, they don't have enough food to meet the needs of all the family members. So does that mean it's a financial thing? Does it mean that they're literally not located to somewhere that has food? I just thought it was interesting that in the same document, it also talks about how, and I I didn't look into this research either, because I mean, the White House is saying it, so I believe it's fact, but they said that 30% of the American food is not eaten 30%. So there's this dichotomy of there's 30% waste in America, but there's also one in 10. So 10% of Americans are not having enough food, whatever that means. And, but the interesting thing is, so therefore they're saying we need to implement all these federal things in place to now have better food access. The part that I didn't understand when I was doing the research is so one of the things they're going to improve is like SNAP or WIC, and they're going to make it more accessible that people, more people are going to fall into that umbrella. Well, if you look at just the historical of the last two years, so I guess during the pandemic, they opened up the SNAP program, and they opened it up so that it was easier to get um to get accepted into it. And they increased the amount that each person got under the SNAP program during the pandemic. So more people got it. And even the trend of food insecurity dropped by just a little bit, even during the pandemic. So it's not like it got worse. And and they're saying all these things. And they also increased the child tax credit from 2000 to 3000 or 3600 per qualifying child. So there's all these things. And my gap is, you're saying that people are hungry, but in the pandemic, preventable disease and illness increased. Children got more obese. Right. But you guys were giving more SNAP money. You were even giving it to more different people. And you even raised the child tax credit. And there was a decrease in terms of the food insecurity. But you're saying we need to combat that. But people are becoming more obese and sick. So obviously, something is more broken than just that we need to give more access to. Like one thing they want to do is they want 9 million more kids to get free school lunches. And again, the issue is, well, what is the school lunch, right? So 
we need to first talk about what's broken. And what's broken is my slate is broken. Everything that the White House talked about, the premises based on my plate is correct, that we should be eating essentially 70% some type of carbohydrates, vegetables, grains, and fruits, and then some amount of protein. And then again, a lot of the insinuation is that it's plant-based proteins, and then a little bit of dairy, like that's my plate. And when you look at all the resources that comes out from my plate, it's the protein always looks like beans and tofu and other things like that, and maybe some lean chicken. At the core of it, I think what's so broken about the whole conference is that they're going off the my plate and it's wrong and it's very wrong. And that is the core thing that's driving obesity and metabolic syndrome. In the conference, their core is that's what we're going to get rid of. And we're going to get rid of it by one, increasing exercise recommendations. And that's one of the pillars. And then two, we need more people to eat more whole grains, limit added sugar and limit sodium and limit saturated fat. And so that's the crux of the dietary plan. And we can talk about the other pillars in a second. But that's the exact opposite of like what everybody needs, right? And that's why right. you see places that are the poorest in the country, like of all 50 states, my family's from West Virginia. Um, uh, that's where I was born, where most of my family still lives. And historically, West Virginia is not only listed as one of the poorest states in the country, but it's also the highest rate of obesity in the country. And this is why, because the people who are forced to live off of the MyPlate guidelines or the food pyramid, as it used to be called, right? But whatever these guidelines, like right. why do the guidelines even matter? It's because I can eat what I want to eat. Nobody's forcing me to eat the guidelines, but that's also because I'm a healthy person who buys my own groceries. The people who are forced to eat this are the most vulnerable. And that's the children in schools that is uh, people in hospitals are forced to abide by these guidelines. The people in, that are older in retirement communities are forced to live by these guidelines. So it's literally anybody in our country that's vulnerable and sick is forced to live by these guidelines. And it just causes them to be sicker and more obese and have more health issues. Right. And it's also schools and jail systems yes, jail, as well. Yeah. So it's all the people, except for maybe the working population, when the 2020 to 2025 dietary recommendations came out, there was a group of people, and I forgot the name of them, but it's in the blog post. But they recommended that the sugar added sugar allowance uh, currently or right before 2020, it was at 13% of your total intake of calories. They recommended that we cut it in half so that it should be at 6%. Whatever finagling that I believe the sugar industry did, right. the ending result was that it was down to 10%. So it went down from 13%, but not enough to go down to six, even though added sugar has zero benefits to any nutritional need. And yet they are clumping, we need to reduce added sugar with also reduced added sodium with also reduced added saturated fats. Where, where this becomes so difficult is one of the pillars recommends that they're going to create front of package labeling system. So I think that may be good if they're literally going to put the nutrition facts in the front. If they do that and allow also the ingredients to be in the front, I think that's a great option. So it's no longer um, you have to turn around the box, but rather it's always in your face. That may be a good thing. But with that, they're also going to create this healthy sign logo. So right. for people that are not as into nutrition or have the time or even educated in this space, if they see the healthy logo created by the government that then gives it to certain food companies, or as long as again, you are under sodium, low in saturated fats, have some level of uh, whole grains, and then limited added sugars, then you can get that healthy logo. So it will almost push people to start buying certain products and processed foods and think these are healthy for me. But Think about, so one of the examples I gave in the blog post is, so basically a processed yogurt with fake sugars and low fat would be considered healthy versus any meat because of the saturated fats, because eggs have saturated fats, they will never be able to use a healthy logo. Yeah. I mean, look at something like Cheerios already gets like, like the heart healthy logo and is endorsed by right. the what is it? The heart association. Um, they get all those logos and even things like the veggie straws, people see veggie straws, which are a really, really popular food for kids, but it's literally just potato chips repackaged. And then maybe there's like some spinach in it or some coloring 
that makes them the color of veggies, but it's called a veggie straw. So people buy it instead of potato chips when really it's a potato chip. I decided to just write this article because when I was doing the research during COVID and then even for this article, I mean, 16 states now have obesity rates of 35% or higher during COVID, which again, everyone knows that if you have obesity with COVID, you can die. And of the states, three states or four states in just two years fell into that high obesity rate. So during the pandemic, it got worse than better. So my part that I'm having a very hard time understanding with this whole conference is whatever you guys are recommending is not working. So in terms of the food scarcity, it's because not enough people have access to the SNAP program, but you increased it during COVID and more people are overweight. Now, it, maybe it's not the people that got access to it are the people that got overweight, but there's no, there was no added benefit to it. So that's just the part that is very hard for me to understand there's a lot of things they want to do. And I think it's great. But because everything is stemming from the foundational point of view of my plate is a beneficial way to eat, um, the whole thing is broken. And to give you another example, um, the Department of Defense, um, they've committed to limiting any marketing of unhealthy foods. And again, unhealthy foods is anything high in sodium, added sugars, or that has saturated fats. And so they have and they said that they're committed to only marketing. Um, there's this, I guess there's a program called the Go for Green. And again, I linked it, it in my uh, blog post, but it's a very plant-based friendly. And they have this color coding system again. So um, green means good, yellow is moderate, and red is bad. And so when you look at the foods again, so baked chicken sausage patties, so literally just chicken sausage patties that are baked because of the high saturated fats, it's a red. But then Asian barbecue turkey, so lean meats, right, with all this sugary stuff on it is green, Uh, baked potato or banana muffins are green, while bacon and beef frankfurters or hot dogs are red, Uh, bagels are green, but croissants are red. And it's because croissants have more fat and made from butter. When I look at that, and I think of military families, I mean, to recommend a low fat plant based diet for a military is really, really not a safe idea. Even with WIC, they say that WIC, we fund it so much to teach moms to nurse. The numbers for people that are WIC participants for breastfeeding are horrible. It's horrible. And I have the numbers in the article, but because they get free formula and then breastfeeding support, lactation consultants, like nutrition that mom needs to make enough milk to feed her baby, like none of those things are supported, but then you get free formula. Mm. There's no support system to, to have, help mom breastfeed. But in the WIC program, that's one of the things that they tout themselves for. They say, we educate moms to breastfeed and nurse and say it's so beneficial. And so you're right. Maybe it's that, okay, fine, the education's there. But if you're not giving them the support so that they don't have to go back to work right away, then they're not going to be able to. But you're right. Formula is part of the WIC program, too. So that's where I just find, really, you guys, like this data, I'm collecting it from the government sites. If you guys see all this, do you really think it's working? Do you really think just giving more access to more lunch, 9 million more lunches or more SNAP access, that's the answer to obesity? Or I I get that's part of the food insecurity, but then what about the obesity part? I mean, that's where they talk about all the dietary and they call it now food is medicine. (laughs) So that whole food is medicine. They're saying we need to have people eat less. So they say one of the issues is that people are eating a caloric surplus, which I agree with for many people. And, uh, but then it's also that sodium, fat, sugar. And, and so there's all these commitments. And I, I think there's like 50 companies that have committed all of these things. And one of the biggest companies, let me scroll down to it. um, It's called the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. So they now certify doctors and dietitians. And so it looks very legit. They've clearly spent so much money uh, making really pretty graphics and really pretty educational things and certifications. And so they committed to donating $24 million to improve nutritional training for medical professionals so that food will be medicine. Well, if you look deeper, they are a right. 100% plant-based. So they even advocate for a 100% whole food plant-based diet, even for children and teens and uh, and tweens. And, and again, we know in our community that that is not an optimal diet. It doesn't matter if you're eating avocado oil with your plant-based diet. It's not enough amino acids and it's not enough 
quality proteins for a growing child. And the, that is the people. And they're also linked to the Seventh-day Adventist. Um, I interviewed Belinda Fecky and it's it'll come out in the future. But that episode, she talks about how they are very, very plant-based focused. And it's not about money. It's about they believe that's the way to go to heaven. And if you understand a lot of that history, it basically helps you to understand why they are pushing so much for plant-based diets, even though all their research studies are so off base and, and it's making us sick, but they're going to train doctors to use food as medicine to be plant-based. Which is what's so insane. I mean, this, in some ways, I don't know how to talk about this subject without like, I don't know, you and I get feedback on like not going political or whatever, (laughs) but like how this is such a tremendous impact, not only on us, but on all of these people in America who are sick and unhealthy. And like, I don't know how to talk about this without sounding political, but like, to me, this, this is the prime example of like, why I believe in less government regulation amongst everything. Like, why is the government telling us what we should eat and not eat in general? Like that should not happen. I don't trust them to take my taxes and to use it for good and use it productively or effectively, or, you know, like I'm, you know, they're just not using it for the greater good or using those resources properly, efficiently, I would say. And so, I mean, this is me as a libertarian believes that all taxes are theft and that, um, that people would be more willing to donate that while none of these government programs, I don't think any of these government programs should exist. First of all, it doesn't mean people don't need assistance when it comes to food and that there are times in your life when you don't have the money to provide food for your family and you would need assistance on that. It shouldn't be the government's job to provide that for you. It should be private companies and citizens who, if they weren't having 30% of their income stolen from them every single paycheck, then they would be more willing and able to provide to their neighbors and people in need and be able to create programs like this that would exist outside of the government. And while I believe food is medicine. While I believe that we need to um, moderate while we're eating and work to live healthier lives with a balance of some activity and and proper while we're eating, like why is it the government's job or business to tell us how and what we should eat when it's very clear that there is too much crossover right. between government and corporations and there's too much influence? Like why is it that the lobbyists and all of these corporations are the ones who thrive during things like COVID. And they're the ones who, with all of these new regulations, just get richer and richer and richer. And yet America gets sicker and more obese. And it's not because of the fact that we're eating too many calories and we're not running enough. Like this is what's so crazy. You know, it's just, there's the satiety issue, which we talk about, it's a whole nother tangent, but just knowing that like, you can't eat a thousand calories of Oreos or chips and these crappy processed foods of granolas and cereals and pastas, 2000 calories, let's say, and feel satisfied and energized and healthy and ready to go about your day when you could eat that amount of meat and eggs and then feel completely satisfied and healthy. And you wouldn't have as much of a desire to overeat physically. I I agree. What's interesting about this whole White House conference is that the federal government is saying that they need to step in more. So this insane. And so this whole thing is to step in more that that's the whole point of this whole thing. And so the way they're going to do it is by all of these promises from all these companies and then labeling things healthy, right? So they're dictating how people are going to eat. And I agree with you. So I just heard a fact and I wish I had a place that you can look this up, but I've heard that 53% of America, or maybe it is 53% of America that pays taxes. So everyone else doesn't. I, I agree that this overstepping of power and making it seem like it's good for us and beneficial. It's just not when you actually do a little bit of the research. I want to talk a little bit about the companies that said that they were going to support like so for example, Dannon is saying that they're going to invest $22 million in the next seven years to provide more reduced sugar, lower sugar, no added sugar options. And they are the same company that funds Darius Mazafarin, who's the like the main writer of the Tufts Food Compass Guide that says the cereals are the best and any animal-based right. foods are the worst. And it's these same groups of people always, always going. And um, there's a plant-based food association and they're working with the environmental working group. And they are going to have chefs and restaurant owners and operators offer a plant-based option 
in every single restaurant. Like that's their goal. And so the environmental working group is going to track and report their progress. And so I, I was disappointed to hear that, but I, I guess it makes sense that the EWG would do something like that because they always talk about the dirty dozen and the clean 15 or clean however many. The biggest concern for me is this. So there are two companies that they are going to allocate $2.5 billion in private investments to different companies for research. So the S2G Ventures and Food Systems for the Future is going to decide who and what they invest the money in to then help further this whole nutrition food as medicine. And so I looked into those two companies. Well, one of them is very, very plant-based friendly. And the other one, Food Systems for the Future, is pretty much entirely plant-based. So it's just you know, all of these people, I think the only company that was really meat focused was Tyson Foods. And they they just committed that they're going to reduce sodium in their products. So other than that, there were no ranchers, there were no farmers, it was just there were some markets, but the markets were more about snap accessibility and things like that. Google was on there, which you can consider a pharmaceutical company. And there was a farm that said they'll donate a million pounds of sweet corn to food insecure families and 50,000 pounds of green beans. And I'm like, okay, so that's going to help them get better. And again, those are GMO products. You don't even have to call, you don't even have to call this a conspiracy at this point. Like you literally are just following the money. Like what are the guidelines? Who's paying for these guidelines to be written? And this is that I truly believe this, the market meaning the people buying the products don't want plant-based foods. As much as we hear it talked about, the stock prices for some of these things are tanking. The amount of people that are buying it is low. Like most people don't want this products. They don't want plant-based burgers. What was it? Whopper had the impossible Whopper that's there. And then another, there was another fast food chain that had one and they already took it back out again. Um, I I think they still have a, they still have an impossible Whopper, but there's like another company where they already took out the plant-based, maybe it was Hardee's or whatever. But anyway, so I was listening to a podcast the other day with um, Mr. Beast, who, for those of you that don't know, he's literally the most famous YouTuber of all time. And if you're over 25, like I'd never heard of him. So anybody over 25 has never heard of him before, unless you have kids, but he's the most popular YouTuber on the planet. He also has a ton of other businesses that he's creating. Um, and just is a really one of the most famous, he's 24 years old and he's like a bazillionaire and puts all of his money back into his YouTube videos and all of his companies. He has started a, um, through Uber eats, he's called them like Mr. Beast burgers. So like you can go onto Uber eats and you can order his burgers to be delivered to your house. And he uses like ghost kitchens. So like maybe your local Applebee's is cooking up his burgers and then they'll deliver it with his packaging. And it's like, it's amazing concept. It's so smart. But he, unfortunately, because of his health and he has some major health issues, is like thinks he has to go plant-based. And so he put a plant-based burger um, in his app, right? So the point of all this, if you're still following me, one of the most famous entrepreneurs on the planet, most successful young entrepreneurs on the planet, wants to help people go plant-based. So he put an impossible Mr. Beast burger, plant-based Mr. Beast burger on the menu Um, You know, this company is doing hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in burger sales. And he says it's less than 1% of his sales come from a plant-based burger. He's like, I thought it was going to be so popular. I thought people were going to want this and nobody wants it. He's like, I'm still going to keep it on there because I'm trying to push it. I'm trying to get people to be healthier. I want people to be healthier. But if people want a burger, they just want to eat a burger. Coincidentally, he also put like a lettuce wrapped burger on the menu and he's like, nobody wants that either. (laughs) Like people just, if you're going to eat a burger, you want a burger. And so we're, we live in this world of carnivore and low carbs and thinking that that's the direction people want to go. And then the plant-based people are pushing their stuff on the other side. And it's like, we are both sides of us are these absolute minorities when most people are just eating a bunch of junk and processed foods and not really going in either direction. And so my point to all this is people don't want meat replacements. They're not looking for plant-based alternatives to meat. So in my opinion, this is the government stepping in and saying, you will have no choice but to take these things. Whether you want them or not, this is going to be what is marketed to you. And I'm going to change the regulations and change the guidelines so that you don't have a choice but to eat less meat and to eat these foods. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what they were doing in New York, right? So on Fridays, it's plant-based or meatless Fridays or was it meatless Mondays or for 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 schools? Yeah. Meatless Mondays for the school systems, they were giving, and then a lot of 
people for religious reasons in New York don't eat red meat or meat on Fridays. Right. right? And so that means that you're cutting meat out of these kids' diets two days a week. Yeah. It would, for me to go through why everything is so broken with my plate would, I mean, literally I would have to share everything. You could write a book. I I think, well, somebody did write a book. It's (laughs) Nina Teicholtz wrote a book and does all this advocacy for um, the nutritional guidelines and working really hard to get some of those things updated and changed. And that's like her life's work at this point. And it takes an entire coalition of people, their entire life's work. But unfortunately, one conference like this sets all of that back. Right. No, absolutely. And the fact is, it's not just the conference. So this conference is saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. And then behind it is the strategy plan of what they're all going to do. And then the commitments from all the companies. So it's the, what the commitments from the companies that are what's scary, and most of them are plant-based. And the way they were going to package all the boxes. Like, why couldn't they just say, you know what, everyone shouldn't be eating the middle of the aisles. Everyone should eat the perimeter, eat the fresh foods. Why are we even eating packaged foods? Right. Or why, why, why are we even saying we need to limit added sugar and limit saturated fats? Why not say we need to eat zero added sugar? Why do we need added sugar? There are fundamental reasons we need saturated fats. I mean, our brain is 60% cholesterol. And yes, you can make cholesterol within the body, but you also need it for sex hormones and all the other things we've talked about in the past. But what what need is there for added sugars? And I hate that they clump them together and even low sodium without even talking about the difference of unrefined salt or mineral salts versus the table salt that we eat that bleached and processed. It's it's just not the same. And yeah, I, I just feel really bad for people that end up falling into the categories that need SNAP because now what they're going to do with SNAP is they'll give you, they're going to give more access to fresh plants and fruits. And then I think maybe even grains. And I don't know how they're going to do that, but are people that are under SNAP who already don't have a lot of income, then are they going to use that little bit they get from SNAP to buy more expensive fruits and vegetables? Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Because yeah, yeah. It's that, this is how they ration how much meat you're allowed to buy is they're saying like, Oh, you've used up this amount of, you know, like, well, they not may not be able to indicate what I can do and what kind of meat I can buy. Right. And like, you know, whether or not they actually start setting limits on what you can buy in the grocery store, as far as meat consumptions for the week, it's very possible and very easy for them to do that. If you are getting that money from the government. Yeah. And they already do that with WIC. So um, I worked at the grocery stores, I think when I was in high school, but for just a few months, and I had to do the WIC program. And I remember distinctly that they were only allowed to get a certain amount of milk, a certain amount of cereal and orange juice. And so then I remember the moms would be smart about what product they buy to get the most bang for their buck. Yeah. And so I just wonder, is it one that people are just going to eat more of the processed foods and just stick to cereals because that'd be approved in the whole healthy spectrum, right? Or are they going to spend extra snap money on foods that are not healthy for them, even though they think it it is just like how people eat plant-based burgers and pay like 10, 11, $12 a pound when they could just eat ground beef for $3 a pound. Right. Right. So it's just, but either way, it's a lose-lose situation. Yeah. It's, it's just unfortunate that um, this is where those regulations are coming from, right? Like while people might need assistance at different times in their life, it shouldn't be the government's job to be the one that's first of all, managing these resources inefficiently in my opinion. And then also indicating like what you can buy and what you can eat with those things. So I just wanted to bring up all the pillars before we finish this topic. So one was improved food access and affordability. Two was integrate nutrition and health, making sure that people have more access to nutrition, health, and the educating of that. Three is empower all consumers to make and have access to healthy choices. I think they're also going to create stores that are, maybe they're going to create transportation or they're going to create more stores where people have more access to more foods. And then for support physical activity, there's a lot of things under that. But I think they're also literally thinking of creating more parks or things. So I think that is beneficial if it will actually be done. And then the last one is enhanced nutrition and food security research. So the last part, it's okay. So you have plant-based companies that are going to do research. I wonder what the outcomes are going to be. So it's, it's who's funding that research. And then that's going to tell you what the outcomes are going to be. That's, that's exactly. I already can tell you. Yeah. I mean, I was surprised that the Department of Defense is going to feed our our military such 
bad foods and push them more to eat plant-based foods. And then when you order something, there's like a big red mark by it saying you shouldn't be eating that food, but you can eat a bagel, right? A bagel is healthier than a sausage. I mean, that's literally the ranking system. And they're going to start doing that with these packaged foods of, of the healthy logo. So if you buy this, that means you're eating healthy. And it's unfortunate because, I mean, like kind of like you joked about earlier, because this is coming from the government, people are going to believe it. It just shows you like when I order what I order on my little, you know, reels and um, YouTube stuff, like the masses of people who just think I'm insane. Like, obviously, there's the huge amount of people who like think I'm, you know, rude and a Karen or whatever. But there's also this like massive amount of people who lose their minds because I use salt or just talk about like how much my poop must stink or how much my arteries are being clogged or my crazy high blood pressure and cholesterol. And like, it is what the masses believe because that's what's, you know, the information that's being provided. One, one company that I forgot to mention, that's part of the pillar five, which is the enhanced nutrition and food security research is the Rockefeller foundation and the American heart association. So I, in my article, I just wrote, okay, sure. Yeah. He'll do um, or they will do the research to help scale food as medicine, just like they did for petroleum for medicine. So, but I'm not surprised, right? So um, at the end of my article, I just gave some thoughts and I, I'm really hoping that some people will get access to this article. Why are we pushing the my plate when all of these ideas are grandiose and may be beneficial if the foundational way of eating was different than it could be possible. But the fact that our way of eating is wrong, it doesn't matter what they're doing. This is why I think it's so crazy about, you know, we, we talked about um, recently about the definitions of carnivore. And like, this is why it does make me so insane that we all get so crazy within this community. Or like you said, you try not to talk about carnivore. Like I just want people to eat less processed foods and less carbs and sugar and eat more meat and more healthy things. And I do think that like, sometimes when we push this carnivore, 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 all it's doing is like, people are just so, it's just so far away from anything that they can understand and believe. But when you try to just make this information relatable to the fact that like, you don't need that many carbs and sugar, your body does need more protein saturated fat is good for you. Like those are the types of things that we can kind of help baby step people here um, to try to help them realize it because it's just, it's such a huge leap from what, you know, the guidelines are that it's just really hard for people to get here. And I think that that's what our duty is, is just to try to help show people how healthy you can be, but also just to bring them here with baby steps and just kind of sprinkling in this information. No, I agree. When I was doing the research for this article, it's, it is so far removed, right? They, they literally think whole grains is going to fix everybody with diabetes. And we all know that's silly, right? If I, so when she was diabetic, she was like, I'll just switch my white rice for brown rice, because that's what she learned at her hospital from their recommended and it did nothing, right? And so then she said, Okay, I won't eat ice cream anymore, but I'll eat the fruits. It didn't do anything for her blood sugar, it still was bad. It took her to go low carb, to reverse her metabolic syndrome. And that's the part where I really think the dietitians that get um, certified by that ACLM plant-based group, they're going to say, oh yeah, your blood sugar is still high because you're not moving enough. You should be exercising more, right? Or you're eating too much. Uh, Maybe you should start implementing a little bit of fasting. And it's always the individual's fault. When I see how ridiculous mainstream is with our dietary recommendations and what they think is healthy versus what is not. And then I see the bickerings within the low carb space of it's the poofas, it's the fruit, it's the honey, it's the orange juice, it's the liver. It's just, we need to have a concerted effort to be one unit because you're right. I mean, it's really just, if people were to eat less processed foods, limit the sugars, limit carbohydrates, and then just kind of keep it simple like that at first, we can do so much more healing. And it's like the dangling of the carrot and for the average person of, well, just remove the processed carbs, just remove sugar and bread and then see how you feel. Right. And then as people do that, they're like, oh, wow, I feel better, but I'm not losing weight enough. And then it's like, oh, well, then why don't you try to remove this instead of no, you must do carnivore and it must be perfect. And you can only eat meat and you must eat these at this time and do this. And, and then people are like, you sound crazy. And I don't want that. And then that's where like, 
it's just such a huge leap. We need to talk about making, like I said, the baby steps and the things that you just mentioned, but look at the gyms. They're completely packed on January 1st because everybody's ready to get healthier. And they think that that means they have to work out three hours a day and they have to run and they have to like watch their calories and all of those things can work, but it also is just so hard. And it's why it's not sustainable for most people. When in reality, you have to find like some physical movement is great and important. I don't do enough of it, to be honest. We know this. But like, it's a great thing for your health and for your muscle tone. And so you can age, you know, finally, and you can be strong as you age. Like that's why exercise is important. And then being satiated and knowing what you're eating is going to help you eat less calories. But then it's just like eating foods that are going to fuel you to feel better and not just to feel restricted all the time, because that's when it's not sustainable for people. And I think that, you know, unfortunately, guidelines like this and movements like this are just not, it's why people start to buy these plant-based foods. And they think that this is what they have to do to be healthy because the government is telling them this is what they need to do to be healthy, but it's not sustainable for them because they feel terrible. And then in the end, they just go back to eating the burger and the fries and the bun and the sides and the regular soda. And then somehow we end up blaming the meat for all of that because they left the plant-based world to go back to eating meat but it's just that they're eating all the other junk that goes along with it. I ran into my farmer's daughter and she told me she just had a triple bypass. And she told me I'm really struggling because I was doing keto ish for two years. I lost 30 pounds, but she said, so now I don't know what to eat because she, I guess met a governmental dietitian where the dietitian was saying, Oh no, you need to eat a plant-based diet. You need to eat fruits and vegetables. So she gave up her keto diet and ate that way. And now her blood sugar is in the 300s. And she's like, I haven't eaten sugar or white bread in over three years. And I can't get my blood sugar to go down from like two to 300. And she's like, so I'm scared. For one, uh, I know that I shouldn't be eating fruits because my blood sugar goes crazy when I eat fruits. But then if I eat fats, my cholesterol is bad and I'm worried about my heart. And she's like, I don't know what to eat anymore. And she she said, I know that the nutritionist I'm working with right now is not right because I tried the fruit and vegetable thing as they recommended and my blood sugar. Now I have to go back on insulin when she had gotten off mm-hmm. insulin on the two years of keto. Exactly. And, and but she's definitely afraid because her cardiologist said, you need to go plant based. You need to stop eating any bit of fat and, you know, just all the scares of um, eating high fat. And so yeah, she, but her she, being on insulin is profitable for the companies that paid course. for the research that said that she should be eating more plant-based that's who paid for it. And I don't I mean, call me conspiracy, whatever, like it just, it's literally in the money. You can see it and it's there. And that's the part that is hard to get other people to realize. Right. And so think about the next generation of doctors that will now in the next, what, seven years, right. they're going to be implementing this whole strategy plan. A lot of them will be going through the ACLM certification that's plant-based and so that's what they're going to be educating as food is medicine to all of the patients that need dietary changes. I, I just urge people to obviously take care of yourself and take care of your family. And to, you know, you're listening to this podcast, you've obviously know what's being, you know, what's the way to fuel yourself or at least have, are doing your own research. So let's say that. What I urge you to do, though, is to be aware of the people in your life who are the most vulnerable. If your kids go to school, I'm not telling you to limit them having birthday treats and having the, you know, like there's a Halloween party coming up. I'm not even telling you that your kids can't eat carbs and sugar ever. I'm just saying, look at what they are eating every day. If they are eating the school provided lunch, you know, they're allowed to count pizza as a vegetable because there's tomato sauce on it. Right. Um, And so I would just urge not to cut out all treats from your kid's diet. And this is maybe a different topic, but like just to say, what are they eating on a daily basis? And like, what are you provide them their three meals a day and then let the treats be an occasional thing and not like what they're eating for their main food. And if you have loved ones in nursing facilities or hospitals, or just think about the vulnerable people that are around you and how much can we protect their health if you're able to um, help with what they're eating. Right. Because the, I, nobody is doing that for them, right? The, with a, what they're being provided is killing them. If we don't do a grassroots movement and advocate, and not just me and you, but literally everybody listening to this needs to share their healing and what they know about nutrition with like at least one person in their life, because the government, the my plate system, they are not 
going anywhere near a meat-based low-carb diet. They are going plant-based. And so it's like the Mediterranean diet gone plant-based. Like that's right. what they want us to eat. And then they think you should just move more. So they, they say that most of us are not moving enough. And while there's truth to that, it's not because we're not moving enough that we are unhealthy. It's because of the food that we're eating that we are unhealthy. In the WIC program, there was like 17% of aged two to four-year-olds were obese. I mean, two to four. I, yeah. I mean, that was heartbreaking to see. And they're like, but it's because of food insecurity. Like, how is that food insecurity? Or maybe it's just that they're getting poor nutrition. And because we are teaching them the wrong things, like 17%, I would consider that a horrible result of what the WIC program is doing. Yeah. And I think it's only setting a lot of these kids up and these people up for future issues with food because they're not feeling satiated. These kids are just like, you know, hungry all the time because they're constantly eating these processed foods. And they're just like, there's a never ending appetite there. They gain that weight. Their insulin is high already as kids, which means they're hungrier and hungrier. And they just end up eating this processed crap all day long. And it's only going to set them up for health issues very early on, but then also the potential for eating disorders where they're having to go on a diet or they're finding themselves just like can't control their appetites. It's just like, really, I think, not only are we seeing obesity skyrocket, but I think we're continuing to see just like overall childhood illness and eating disorders uh, increasing as well. Well, also they said that by 2030, the mental illness is going to be so rampant. And yeah. I can see that. I mean, my life has changed so much from eating plant-based to meat-based and I don't struggle with depression anymore. Sure. There's days that lower mood, but it's, it's so it really, really matters how you fuel your body. And I wish I could just tell President Biden, yes, give the meals out to the students, give more money to SNAP, if it makes sense. I don't know, I'm not going to get into the political side of that. But if we were to just say, eat less carbohydrates, buy the like 10 pounder ground beef from the store, get your dozens of eggs, and then get some butter and eat some cheese, but eat like limited sugar, most people would reverse their illnesses. And that's how we get to the issues with the hypertension, the issues with the diabetes, the issues with mental illness and all the other things they're saying that you can reverse with diet. But instead, they're saying, no, we need to eat more grains. And we need to eat more fruits and vegetables. And we need to live lower sodium and lower saturated fats and lower added sugars. And it's hard. I think that's where we feel helpless at times. But I think you underestimate what an impact you can be by living your life in this way. Yes. Like even without social media, my life was changed and my husband's life was changed and my mom's life was changed and her brother's lives were changed. And like you can have a profound impact by living this lifestyle in a healthier way and reversing your metabolic conditions and then sharing your story with other people. And it doesn't have to be this like, I only eat meat for the rest of my life. It's just that simple thing that Judy mentioned of like cut out the carbs and the sugar and cut out the grains and eat more meat and, and eggs and, and limited cheese and then see how much better I feel. And it's just sharing that. It's living the example first and foremost, and then it's sharing that with other people. And I think that we, we, I trust me as much as I want, I'm not going to be able to abolish all of these three letter agencies <laughs> Like should like I believe truly should be done and there should be no government agencies like this, but I can't impact those people around me and you can do that. And unfortunately, we are, you know, fighting upstream by impacting one person at a time. But that person's life that you're teaching and saving will be forever impacted. And, and we have to be able to kind of work our way upstream. And I think that one doctor at a time is learning the way as as you share your story with your own doctor and he sees the results like we can have an impact. Um we're just going to be working in the other direction. We, re we really do need to share because this is our future. Guys, for the next eight years, we're going to see more and more plant-based friendly, eat less saturated fats, but think about a growing child's brain, uh, the hormones needed to have adequate sex hormones, the ability to make babies, just ideal health. I mean, we need saturated fats to do that. And, and I, I just think, if we don't do something as individuals and share content, you know, share the article or, or just share that you're healing with yeah. a diet that's so against what the White House recommends, but it's healing you and you've lost weight and you're happier. 
well, people that are desperate when they're taking medications and they're taking antidepressants or they're always having to poke themselves with insulin, some people will be desperate enough and willing to listen. And when those things that are being recommended are not working for them, they're going to be like you and they're going to go and find other alternatives on, on resources and information. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, everything goes with the premise that my plate is the right way to eat. And so what are the ways we can dumb down the process of food selection essentially is what they're doing. And it's concerning because we all know that my plate, you know, what I said in the article is, yes, there's no perfect diet for every single person. But what we do know is that my plate doesn't work for anyone. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. <laughs>